Hey everyone, welcome to Recovering You. This is a podcast that will take you through a step-by-step guide of what you can expect when you enter into a world of recovery from addictive and compulsive behaviors. You are here to learn how to change, and we are here to give you the tools to get there. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Recovering You. I am your host, Cameron Harrison. I'm once again joined by my current co-host and friend and future mentor of the Men Moroni program, we both hope. Uh, yeah, Martin. yeah. Chase W, what's up, man? Oh, just hanging, man. Got some good sun today and uh, ready, to, ready to talk about an exciting but also scary topic. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be uh, completely uh, transparent and candid here with our listeners. Never before have I had to uh, re-record an episode, and we are, we are redoing this one. We did this two days ago, and we actually stopped like three quarters of the way through, and I was like, look, this, this isn't it, man. This, <laughs> this, is, this is not what, what we're going for in this episode, and the reason that Chase said that this is kind of a, a nerve-wracking episode is because, and, and why we had to stop it is because of just that. Uh, we are we're talking about the objectification of women. And there's a lot of fine lines in this topic and a lot of tangents that we found ourselves just being pulled down these tangents and these side conversations that we weren't sticking to the point of what was most important, which is focusing on how objectifying individuals affects addicts. So objectification is merely a tool used by Satan to diminish the worth of an individual down to a mere object for another individual's use. Basically looking at another individual as your car that takes you from A to B. And once, once they get you there, you leave it and you don't go back to it until you need to use it again. That is, that, that is what we were talking about here. And that's, that's what the focus is going to be on of how Satan uses that and how we're able to flip that around. And another thing I guarantee is every single person out there has at one point felt the pulls <laughs> of objectification toward another person that they noticed just physical attributes or physicality of another person, or they noticed just the financial well-being of another individual that they're like, oh, I could take advantage of this. Or they noticed just the uh, things they can get done for them the, or yeah. just like how they can get them to from point a to point b in their life and like yep yeah and when you said that like about the car i was like oh man that that hurts that's sad it cuts deep yeah that we would see people like that that are humans you know fellow children of god who have backgrounds and stories and struggles and you know triumphs and that we would just like diminish them to to that and and what you said there's definitely something we're going to get back to later on in the conversation when we talk about flipping the script and how we uh combat this objectification but let's uh let we we've got you and i here from two different walks of life me being a married guy with kids in a in a healthy relationship with my wife and you being out on the scene looking for a future <clears throat> spouse and looking for that, that companion that's going to add and enhance your life and give you that, that additional light and love that uh, heavenly father wants you to have. So that's what I think will bring a really good 
diversity to this conversation is that we're both <clears throat> coming at this conversation from two different places. So I hope we can both add yeah. our, our own, our own personal experiences into this. Definitely. Definitely. And well, maybe we'll start off with dating and then we, we go into marriage. Cause sure. Yeah. It's a little different. Um, so for me in dating, I mean, I've been dating for a good amount of time, had, you know, several girlfriends and, but with the focus of finding a, you know, wife, a companion for this life and a companion for, you know, eternity. Um, <clears throat> but all along the way, Satan tries to throw us off. He's tried to throw me off and, you know, our minds, right. We're designed when we, when we see a person that we're attracted to, you know, we're, and for in, in, in whatever like state of life, whether you're walking down the street, whether you're at the beach, whether you're um, swiping on a dating app or, or whatever, there's a chemical reaction when you, when you see that person. Um, and if you just focus on that chemical reaction, then it's objectification. But if you try to get to know them, or if you're not talking, if you're not able to like talk with that person, you know, focus on like their light, their aura. That's, that's what helps me, you know, focusing on kind of the, the their presence. And, and then um, also like, if it's just like walking by someone, you know, notice, obviously you're going to notice a beautiful woman or whoever you're attracted to. But for me, it's, it's about like looking and then like, or just seeing that and then looking away um or not you know dwelling on that and if it, if i find that really hard just giving them like a a story or like thinking about you know their that they have a, a father who cares about them or a brother or a mom who cares about them and, and wouldn't want someone to objectify them and that they have had you know their own journey in life and that's some of the things that helped me in it helped me in dating but it can be it can be very hard, right? Because you're out there looking for a spouse, but uh, you've you've always got to have that bridle, like like it talks about in the Book of Mormon. Alma in Alma 38 verse 12, he says, "Bridle your passions that you may be filled with love." And if we don't bridle our passions, then we objectify. If we do, we can have true love for another person, whether or not we're um, going to marry them or uh, date them or whatever. And and do, do you mind if I, if I jump in here for a second? Go for it, man. Okay. I, I love what you said there. And I, I want to remind people, a, a lot of people seem to think that being told to like bridle their passions means mm. that you should shut them off, means that you should ignore yeah. them. That's not what this is saying. God has literally designed our bodies to be attracted to the opposite sex, to be, to be attracted to what we are supposed to be attracted to. And so for, for us to say like, oh, it's a sin for me to even like find that person attractive or to notice their body or to find myself drawn to them and want to get to know them. No, that's actually exactly what you're designed to do. That is the yeah. entire purpose of those chemicals <laughs> that are placed in your body where, where the difference is made and where where progress needs to be made is to control those passions, to control those thoughts, to not let them run away to the point of 
basically taking that image, that beautiful first image or first impression that you have of that person, that first attraction and turning it into, man, I could really use them to satisfy my own gratifications, my own desires. Because yeah. that, that's where the line is crossed. That's where the bridling needs to happen. You need to rein it in. You need to pull it back. And like you said, you need to give them a story. You need to give them a life, a value, a worth, and see them in the way that God would see them. Yeah. And I would add to what you said about bridle your passions that like our passions are like uh, a horse, a, you know, and it's got a very powerful horse that can lead us in a great direction and help us do amazing things in life. And a wild horse is unbridled, right? And uncontrolled and it can hurt people and, and do, you know, crazy things. But a horse that has a bridle and that's broken, broken in a godly sense, um, you know, humble and willing to do what God wants him or her to do can be very useful and be a powerful force for good. So it's like, channeling that to to be in a channel that those passions to help you be motivated to to date and find someone and eventually have children and you know create an eternal family love that so things are a little bit different when you're speaking on terms of objectification in marriage at the at the beginning of my marriage and and i know this is true for a lot of people you're just you're just excited for that honeymoon phase. You're excited for all the kissing and cuddling and everything that comes along with it because yeah. it's something that in in most Christian cultures, yeah. it's something that you've waited for to the point of marriage. That, that you're told, you know, wait till you're married, wait till you're married before you before you consummate your marriage, before you have sex, before you're intimate with another individual. There are certain lines that you shouldn't cross. And so you've spent your whole life kind of like looking forward to that moment. And it's so easy to be pulled into only caring about that aspect of the relationship, to only care about when when that physical intimacy is happening. And you lose sight of that person that you fell in love with when you started dating. You lose sight of the amazing intellectual, the sense of humor, the talents, the skills, the, uh, the spirituality, the testimony, the connectivity that this other person had. All of a sudden, they've been diminished down to, um, and this is something I was told very flat out by our good friend, Cody Haas, uh, basically, and, and what he told me was, Cameron, you're basically using your wife to masturbate. And that's all she is to you. And that was a really hard truth to learn and to hear. And my initial reaction was in anger and getting defensive until it clicked to me as he asked me questions like, when's the last time that you showed genuine interest in what she was doing with her life? When's the last time you allowed her to evaluate and go through her emotions and break down how her day was and just be a listening ear without trying to fix it or without doing things with the expectation of intimacy afterwards. And as he went through these conversations with me, I realized that I was doing exactly what he said. I, I would go out and hang out with my friends. I'd go play basketball. <laughs> I would, uh, I'd spend a lot of time at work. And when, when I was in the mood to be intimate, that's when I would do something special for my wife and I would have the expectation of intimacy to follow that. So in essence, she was turned into, and, and this is at my own doing, um, she was turned into simply an object for my satisfaction at the end of the day. 
So yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's it's a rough one and it's a very slippery slope and it's something that I think a, a lot of couples going into their relationships need to understand that it's not like like the focus after you get married should be on continuing to get to know that person and being a sponge for their for their needs and being someone that can can help their needs because if those things happen then the intimacy is naturally going to happen and it will happen in a much more beautiful and pure and celestial type of way which is another term that um cody haas likes to use is celestial intimacy and that's something i didn't understand um, until recently in my marriage when my recovery did take place and when i stopped caring so much about um getting my fix my my dopamine drip in my brain so yeah i love that and i i believe it can be very similar in dating as far as like slipping into objectification even if you don't you know you even even hold back from having sexual relations with the person you date it's it's very easy to slip into objectification as well you know through just focusing too much on the physical aspect and not on fostering that foundation of friendship um and that's you know, something that for me, I've always got to keep in mind and, and, you know, set those boundaries early on, like, you know, this, we're not going to go down this path or, or whatever. And, and boundaries that are like way before sexual intimacy, that, that has helped me. And then focusing just on getting to know them and like, yeah, serve them and like practice what you would do if you're, you know, married um, in maybe a less serious way and like less, often because you're you know maybe going on dates like three four times a week if you're you know exclusive but yeah it's 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 very similar um just less commitment at that point um earlier earlier you you made another good point as well that i i want to just touch back on so in our last episode we talked about trigger prep with uh with john which if you haven't heard that episode uh, please go listen to it his story is fantastic it's amazing and though there's some graphic uh descriptions of what he went through in in uh the 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 war in baghdad um the mountains he's had to climb and what he's overcome has been amazing and so but what he talked about a lot was how he has to prepare for the triggers that he knows are inevitably going to come and earlier you talked about going to the gym going to the beach going to these places that really are, are pretty well known for being trigger spots, especially for addicts, especially yeah. for people that are accustomed to that objectification that, because that's what pornography does. Pornography tells you that every woman out there is out there for your gratification. She's out there to look at. She's out there to, if you were to engage her, that she would be a body for you to use. And, and that is the toxic and terrible thing that pornography does. And sorry. And, and, my mistake, not just women, but men as well. Um, you know, that, that essential, essentially, uh, eye candy. Yeah, definitely. If you, if you will. And so to and I, be able I, to, I think, I think the eye candy thing is like, like, I think we talked about in the last podcast or the one that we didn't, um, release, right. is that, uh, the one, the one where we, which we got, if you haven't heard that, you never will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we talked about how, like in the, in the world's eyes, like eye candy is w- more acceptable than, you know, cheating on your wife or, or like pornography and all of that. It's just like something that kind of people laugh at and like, 
revel in, but it's 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 not acceptable um, because it it's a slippery slope down to right. It it is the first step to an affair. <clears throat> and the other thing I was just going to say is with that trigger prep is either making sure that you are in a safe place mentally before you go to a place like this, before you go to the beach, um, making sure that you've done your daily goals or that, that you've done something to where you can look at the world through Christ-like eyes, that you can look at the world through reverent and appropriate eyes. So let, let's, let's use- At, at a level zero, you know, as they yeah, say. In, yeah, at a level zero. Let's use alcoholism as a, as a, <laughs> as a good example for this. If you are having a problem constantly taking drinks and you finally decided to stop drinking and you're like, you throw all the alcohol away uh, in your house, so it's not available. And you're like, I just need to stay in. I need to work through this. I need to have my team around me. And then a bunch of your friends say, hey, we're going out to a bar. And you're like, yeah, sure, I'll go. Are you really at a safe place that you could walk into that bar and say, I'm not going to have a drink being surrounded by all my friends and I'm a social drinker? No. So how is that any different from saying, okay, I've decided to cut pornography out of my life. I'm not going to look at it anymore. I'm going to have um, someone that I trust take over all my passwords, <clears throat> make sure that I'm in a safe environment and cannot access that filth. And then have someone say, hey, we're going down to this. We're going down to the beach for spring break. You want to go? <laughs> to yeah. think that you would be able to handle that safely and emotionally is, it's insanity. It's ludicrous. Like, it's not going to happen. It takes a lot of work and a lot of practice and a lot of preparation to be able to go into a situation like that and not be pulled into a chemical spill and a spiral that would cause you to relapse later due to that yeah. situation you put yourself in. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and even like, if you're going into that situation, try to optimize that situation. One thing for me that I'm going to do going forward and did recently I, I went to the beach in, I think it was Florida or Alabama, <clears throat> and I went to a crowded beach and that was like too much for me. And then I was like, okay, let's go to a, like a remote beach. And so I found one that was like in a kind of a more state park type place. And like, it was very remote and way more relaxing and chilling. And like, so like optimize that location for me, I, I don't go to the gym. I, I like to exercise at home. Um, I like to do it quickly, but also like keeps me from that stimulus or like just there's ways to like not even put yourself in that situation or make that situation less um, of a, a struggle. The beach in wintertime is awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone's just in capris and t-shirts and it's like, Hey, go. I'm okay with this. <laughs> this yeah. Is, yeah. This is great. There's still sunshine. You still got the sounds of the waves. Yeah. Beach in winter. That's, that's the, that's the scene for me. Yeah. One, one other thing is like, obviously the pool, the hot tub. I mean, this, these are like the, the, some of the hardest places in public. I mean, the grocery store can be hard or just walking down the street or whatever. Right. It's true. It so, is everywhere. It's always going to be there, but like going to the pool or hot tub, like for me, I often have to just avoid it. The other day, like people invited me to go hot tubbing and I was literally pulling my car out of the garage and I just got a prompting not to go. And my, my housemate who came, who went, he came home and he's like, dude, that was, it was good. You didn't go. And I was grateful for that. Like, I, I mean, so well, I it's, all, it's, it's also, it's really cool that he was, and, and I'm going to make sure I don't get pulled too far down this tangent, but it's really cool that he was, he acknowledged the fact that he knew who you were. He's obviously part of your team and was like, it's a good thing you didn't go. 
and probably had a little bit of that protective instinct of like, I honestly, if you were to show up, I probably would have turned you around and pushed you back out the door. Yeah. Knowing, knowing that this was going to be a dangerous situation for you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's, it, and that's why it's important to have like, you know, friends who understand your recovery and um, can be there for you because they can also help you protect you for sometimes from those situations, or they may not tempt you as much to go on that crazy spring break and Hey, maybe let's go to somewhere more remote that we're going to be able to enjoy. Like, let's go know, camping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, I know a lot of listeners might be, and, and this is one of those fine lines that, that we, we have to be careful with. I know a lot of people are probably thinking, well, what about those that present themselves in a way that would cause them to be objectified? And, and I, I will just say this plain and simple. The way other people present themselves is none of your business. You have no control over how other people dress. The only thing that you have control over is your own thoughts and actions. You can always turn around and leave. You can always change your way of thinking. You can flip the script in your own mind. And that's what I want to jump into here is yeah. how, do we, how do we flip that script? How do we change our way of thinking? So how do we flip that script? What, what do you personally do? I know you talked a little bit about giving them yeah. a story earlier. And that's actually, yeah. that's something I use too. But any other ways? Well, I, I would say like, just for me, it's like, I know we talked about this already, but just like summarizing, for me, it starts before I go out into the world or before I get onto technology or like before I get on a dating app, um, right? What mindset am I going into that with? Am I at a level zero or can I get to a level zero, you know, connection with God, connection with others, seeing people as people. And so like planning and pre preparation. And then secondly, like, how do I, I mean, it's not always like most of the time when I'm going to the grocery store, I'm not thinking about, okay, how can I like avoid, you know, temptation and, and things like that. But like, if I'm going into, a, you know, a normally tempting situation, like definitely think that through beforehand. Um, and then looking away, you know, like you're keeping your eyes where they should be on, on their face or just on what the task that you're doing. And then, like you said, like giving them a story, or just like thinking about like they have people that care about them and you know i have people that i care about what i want people other people to think about them in this way um or diminish them down to their body parts so i i used to uh i used to live in las vegas before we lived here in in phoenix and to me it's what what you were just saying made me think of what it was like living in las vegas las yeah. vegas you can go down the strip for two reasons. One, you can see some amazing shows, athletics. I mean, there's all the, like some of, some of the best shows in the world are down there on the strip in Las Vegas. Some of the best magicians, yeah. some of the best comedians. I mean, some of the best concerts, it, it all happens there. There's also some of the biggest filth that you can find in the world in Las Vegas. So it all depends on <clears throat> what frame of mind and what your intention is. Yeah, and I, I, would, I would add like, with pornography, right? When we go on technology, do you have an intention? For me, like if I have an intention, that means like it's, yes, I can go and, and, and do that, right? But then it's like, I'm going to get distracted like 17 times while I'm trying yeah. to do one thing, right? Because that's how it's designed to, to, to be addictive, right? In many different ways, but, uh, or at least many of the applications that we use on, you know, top of the technology. But like, if I'm just going on to like, maybe sometimes my intention is to laugh, right? Or to like relax. 
but I have an intention. I think about what I'm going to watch before or what I'm going to read or whatever before I get on there. That's not always right. But like, that's the the ideal. Yeah. I, I love what you said there. Intention. Understanding what your intentions are before you go into that situation. So yeah, especially, I mean, you mentioned earlier dating apps, dating apps can be, uh, for me would be a very toxic and terrible thing. There's no reason for me to be on a dating app. Yeah. Dating apps for you could be something that could help you find someone They they could, that can be that, that gateway into finding the right person, because that's kind of where the world is, is going right now on how to, how to initiate that interaction. But once that interaction is initiated, it's like, okay, I don't need this app anymore. It's not going to do me any good other than tempt me to continue looking at and pursuing other women. Yeah. And I mean, each one of those swipes is like, you know, can be a chemical spill, even on like dating apps that are like Christian or Latter-day Saint dating apps. So it's, it's tough. Right. But I mean, I go on plenty of dates work with girls that I just, you know, meet uh, through church or through social activities. Like it's definitely possible without ever going to a dating app. I haven't, you never never run the risk of them uh, not being who they are in the pictures. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But I mean, I haven't used a dating app. I I mean, I had a girlfriend. um, We we broke up not too long ago, but I'm so sorry about that. It's, it's all good. You know, um, it was a great relationship just wasn't, wasn't the, the right thing at the time, at least. Um, but I haven't used dating apps in like months and I don't know if I really want to go back because it's, 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 it's just like social media. It's designed to be, well, it's not, I don't know if it's so designed to be addictive on some of the dating apps, but like it is. I, um, I absolutely believe it's designed to be addictive. I 100% believe that that is their purpose is getting people addicted to it. It depends. I would say it depends. Like I, Hinge is kind of nice because they, I know we're getting into like details, but like just for one example, like they, they, they say that they're the dating app that's designed to be deleted. And when, when someone's profile comes up, it has like answers to questions or just interesting things about them mixed in on the first page with a picture. So then you kind of see them as a person right away and you don't have to go to their profile. So like, yeah, there, there, there's some hinges. Okay. Obviously mutual is very popular in the Latter-day Saint community um, as well. And, you know, there's other plenty of other ones out there, but. Awesome. Well, uh, before we, uh, before we wrap up here, um, just, just as kind of a, I guess a little bit of a synopsis for, for our listeners. Um, if, if objectification is something that you struggle with, I, I highly encourage you to, find the way that allows you to find empathy and understanding of the people around you be able to and a a really good way to practice this i found this to be the best way we get mad at people in traffic all the time right oh yeah 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 we 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 flip them the bird we we yeah i mean that's the same it's a chemical spill it's just it's just a chemical spill that leads to anger you know and and Yet you have no idea who that person is. You've, you've given them zero fractions of a second of your time to actually have a conversation with them and understand what they're going through. Now, that, that doesn't mean that them driving like a lunatic makes it okay. However, we don't. And my, th- my wife, if she listens to this, will probably be like, Cameron, I tell you this all the time, and you never do this. You, you're the first one to call them a stupid driver or that person's an idiot or <laughs> like – 
We're talking but, about the ideals, at least, you know. Yeah. What we what we're seeking for on all of this. You but know, but think think of that as uh, driving down the freeway and all the people that you come across with and cross paths with and go in front of and behind of, and you never really give a thought to each one of these people has a story. Each one of these people is at that moment battling demons. Each yeah. one of these people is a child of God. And they all have their own journey, their own path. And if we can start doing that, if you can start looking at all the cars on the freeway, all the individuals on the sidewalk, all the people you cross paths with and give them value and worth and a story, then you're going to be able to start catching yourself a lot sooner to the point that you no longer are triggered. You might, you're always going to notice attractive people. People mm-hmm. that are attracted to you, you don't, don't ever think that, oh, I'll just be able to turn that off someday. It won't ever happen. The difference is it will never turn from righteous attraction and, and noticing God's handiwork and that he has created beautiful people of all different shapes, sizes, and colors to objectifying, objectification and lust. Yeah. And, and when we can transfer from that objectification lust over to that righteous attraction, then that's when you'll know that you're, you're starting to gain control and notice that chemical spill. And it's all about a presence of mind. It's all about knowing where you're at, because if you're not in a good place, you will not see others in a good place or in a good way. Yeah. And often like we have to go into the world when we're not in a good place. Right. And so like, use that's when you use the tools for me at least that's when I use the tools like if I'm in a good place like I don't really worry about it um, because I build up some of those habits or it's just like you know I don't I don't think about like every person is a child of God you know when I'm in a good place because I don't really have to but when when I'm struggling yeah that that definitely helps awesome uh the the last little thing I want to talk about here is um something that I, I think is also really important and that is objectifying yourself. Last night I was actually uh I I was actually really depressed yesterday. I couldn't couldn't bring myself to be happy. I couldn't smile. I couldn't really um enjoy things, you know, like and I I, I was reading in my Master Your Emotions book and it it talked about um recognizing that even when you because you're never gonna never be depressed again. But that depression will, it'll come and go. And that we need to acknowledge the fact that just like it has come, it's, it's going to go. And yeah. in, this, in this state of depression, as I started to realize this, uh, my wife sat down on the couch next to me and we started having a conversation. And I, I, I was honest with her and I told her, I was like, you know, I, I don't know how you find me attractive. I don't know what you really see in me. Um, I've noticed I've started to gain a little bit of weight. I've noticed that my eating habits have been unhealthy. I've noticed that I'm tired a lot more. Uh, I laugh a lot less. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm consumed by my, my job and I feel like I'm in a constant state of anxiety and um, there, there's just, there's a lot going on on the, on the more negative side of things. And my, my wife, who's so sweet and so wonderful, um, basically told me that, you know, she's like, look, I, I'm not, I'm not attracted to the body. I'm attracted to the individual. I'm attracted to who you are. 
And yeah. she was like, the, the only reason I would ever lose attraction in you is if you lost hope in yourself, is if you stopped caring about yourself. That's when my attraction would start to fade, is if you gave up on yourself. And I, I, I just, I, I point this out because we can objectify ourselves just as harshly, if not more so, as we do other people, that we see ourselves as only an object for other people's use, that we see our wealth as something that gives us value and worth. We see our bodies as something that draws people to want to be our friends or to want to be around us because we're, we are attractive. We see our talents as things that, well, now, now we're indispensable because we're a talented individual that other people need us. And, and so all of a sudden we've taken ourselves down to be nothing more than what our talent is or what our body looks like or how much money we make. And that is toxic. And that is not the way that God intended you to look at yourself. You are a child of God. You are someone who has worth and value because you are a child of God, not because of how much money you make. Yeah, I, I have, yeah. I've come to learn that very, very seriously in the past couple of years that I don't care how much money people have. I don't care how talented they are. I care if they are a good person and they are good for me to be around. That's what I'm attracted to. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm really glad you brought that up. And that was eye-opening for me because, I mean, I, I definitely find myself objectifying myself in dating, right? You're, you're, you're seeking out that companion. You want to look good. And I think there's wisdom to that um, as well. I mean, the the prophets say, you know, be well-groomed, you know, take care of your body. Our bodies are temples and we should take care of them, you know, um, but it can go too far. Just like almost any good thing can go too far. It needs to be kept in balance. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, uh, I'm grateful for that. So. Awesome. Well, Chase, thank you again for, uh, for joining me today. Just want to remind everyone that you are a good person and that you can change the world with something as simple as a smile. So go out there, be good to other people and be kind to yourselves. And we will see you next week. Adios.